The following is a My Green Radio production. Radio, welcome to another episode of the Toddcast. My name is Todd Holst. I am your host. And on this show, we talk about anything really that I feel like talking about. Sometimes it's uh, stuff going on in the news. Sometimes it's stuff going on in the community. Uh, it could be uh, music related. It could be uh, radio related because I, I work in radio here in Dayton as well at the Eagle. Uh, or it could be just an interview with somebody. Uh, today, we're having an old friend of mine on the show. His name is Brian Ganey, and I've known Brian for a good many years, probably 20 years at this point. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. And I, and I think uh, I think we met in 1993, so almost 25. Oh, that's right. That's right. We, were, uh, we started at WHIO AM, I believe, on the same day. Yes. And um, it was confusing for a lot of the people there because on the same day they hired two fat guys. They did, and, and, they, and they frequently got us mixed up. Right, that's right, that's right. You know, I uh, many times in the hallway I would be walking away from somebody and they go, Hey, Brian, I, oh, I'm sorry, Todd. And I'm sure that that probably happened to you as well. <laughs> I, I answered to Todd for years. Oh. <laughs> they were talking about Unless it was something where I, where Todd did something wrong, or they wanted Todd to do something extra, right? Then, uh, then at that point, I corrected him and told him I wasn't Todd. Well, we joke about our weight, um, but uh, Brian is actually here to tell a story about his weight and about his amazing weight loss. So, I'm just going to give you a uh, just a little highlight. Uh, of what uh, what Brian's story is, and I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to let him take it from there. Uh, Brian lost 400 pounds uh, through diet and exercise alone, which is just completely remarkable. Uh, so, Brian, why don't you uh, why don't you just kind of take it from there and tell us tell us your story because it is really really intriguing and we'll get to your book and your motivational speaking all of that here in a little while but i want to hear your story from the beginning and uh your struggle because uh i'm i have that struggle i continue to struggle with it and many others continue to struggle as well and we need answers brian we need answers yes <laughs> yes we do yes we do well before i and thank you for that before i talk about the the success that i've had in the last seven years I'm going to get back in my time machine and kind of go go back a little bit further to give people an idea of how I got to where I am. Um, some people may not know I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio, so you and I are from the same area. And I've been heavy all my life. Right. And always, and as time went by, I got bigger and bigger. And once I got to high school and I had a job and a way to generate money, then I could buy even more food. So I got even bigger and by the time I graduated high school in 1991, I weighed almost 400 pounds. So I had always been big, a big guy, a big kid. And in my 20s, you'll remember this, in uh, about 1997, I decided enough's enough. I was at about 440 pounds at that point. And I thought, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't live this way. And so in as extreme fashion as I possibly could, as fast as I possibly could, I lost like 250 pounds in about nine months. I remember that. Just, yeah, I remember yeah, you yeah. started. Um, you started biking. You, you know, you were having some some great success with your weight loss. And I think, if I recall, the people at WHIO bought you a bike. Is that? They did. That's they right. Did. That's right. There is a uh, a bike path close to the station, and uh, I remember you know you and I talking about that uh, a lot. And that you were out riding your bike and doing your thing, and it, and it was it was fantastic. And so I lost all the weight, and I get to the end of that, and I'm thin for the first time in my life, and it's I'm 26 years old, and I have absolutely no plan in place to keep it off. Right. So I get to, I, I get down to that low weight, and it's like wow, now I can do whatever I want. And so I started to slip because I couldn't keep up that level of exercise that I was doing. I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, I didn't have a plan. I didn't figure it out. 
And so I fell off the wagon. And like everyone does, I gained all the weight back plus some more. And that started kind of like a 12-year period where I was just kind of in the wilderness. You know, it's very humiliating, as anyone who's been through this knows, very humiliating to be on top of the world and lose weight and achieve that success and then not be able to hold on to it. Yeah. Because people can see that people can see you get bigger again. So it's, it's really hard. It's depressing. It sucks. And I just gave up is really what happened. I, I just, I thought, well, I, I can't do it. And rather than look back at what happened and say, what was the success? What, what can I take from that? What was the failure? What can I take from that? I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like, I did it. I failed. It can't be done. Oh, well, I'm going to be fat the rest of my life. That, right. That's how I looked at it. Right, right. So with, so with that in mind, fast forward uh, about 12 years uh, to 2010. By this time, I had relocated. My parents retired to Charleston, South Carolina, and and, you know, people get fired in radio, and that happened to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, so, <laughs> so I didn't have anything going on. So I thought, you know, I could use a change of scenery, better weather, better opportunity, whatever. So I left my hometown there in Dayton that I had, the only place I'd ever lived for 33 years. And I moved to South Carolina. I lived here five more years. And then 2010, uh, by that time, I was working at a call center and I was supervising some people, and I was on the night shift. And the day before, I had I had struggled with breathing. Well, let me let me for some reason it, let me yeah. let me stop you for one second. So you're in sure. Dayton. You moved to South Carolina. You're working at a call center. At what point, or like at, at this point, how much how much did you weigh? You know, I didn't find out until later, but. Uh, when I was admitted to the hospital, I weighed 577 pounds. Wow. And, yeah, and, was, and, and tell us, I mean, you know, you were 577 and you just said, you know, I was admitted to the hospital and I know this story and it's, and it's damn frightening. So, you know, tell us that part of it. Yeah. So I, I go to work one day the, the previous dad had trouble breathing and in the dumbest decision of my life up to this point, I went, well, maybe I'm just tired. And so I went home and took a nap, and I'm lucky to be alive because I went to work the next day. I didn't make it to work. Uh, I got to the near the back door of the building and collapsed. And I still could, then I really couldn't breathe. Right. Um, it, it was just I was. It's the strangest thing I've ever had happen to me where you're breathing in and out as fast as you can, but you're not getting any oxygen, so you're you're just breathing in harder and harder. So. I figured, you know, because, hey, I'm a medical doctor, I must be having a heart attack. <laughs> right. So, I, so I, I thought that's what it was. And I thought, well, this is the big one. I'm dead. The end, right? So somehow I had the presence of mind to uh, call. It turns out, just as luck would have it, it's weird how this works. My car was in the shop, and I had asked my parents to take me to work. And they weren't that far away. So I called them, and they came and got me and uh, took me to the emergency room. And that began a week-long odyssey of just the most uncomfortable, humiliating, terrible, but all at the same time, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because after about nine hours in the emergency room, they come in, they're like, well, uh, you're too heavy for any of the machines that we need to use to diagnose what's wrong with you. So we're going to have to guess. Oh, wow. And, they, and they're and they like, well, we're going to make an educated guess, and we're going to treat you on that basis. And they had they were able to confirm it wasn't a heart attack. They can test for that, blood tests and whatnot. Right. And they said that, they said that based on the fact that, that your oxygen, you can't get any, um, and just your weight, and what we think this is, is we think it's blood clots in your lungs, is, is what it is. We think it's called a pulmonary embolism, which I'd never heard of until it almost killed me. Oh, my gosh. And so they said, well, I said, well what does that look like? Yeah, the first thing I want to know is, am I going to live? Like, what, what's happening here? They said, well, they said, we will try to pump you full of blood thinners and clot-busting agents. And if that doesn't work, we, we might have to operate, but we, we'll just, we're just going to admit you to the hospital 
and we're going to try this. And, and so, okay, I was just happy to be alive at that point. I thought, well, it's not a heart attack. Things are looking up. Right. So I get him into the hospital, and of course, I mean, I'm, and, you know, I will always be a fat guy in my mind. Um, because immediately in that situation, if you wind up in the hospital, for me, I'm thinking, okay, how, you know, how do I preserve my lifestyle? So I'm, I'm like Elvis in the hospital at this point. I'm like, I need to, I need to call all my people and, and get all of my right. stuff, you know, I need, <laughs> I need sneak to, in, sneak in the boxes of ho-hos and the pork rinds and whatever, whatever your favorite thing <laughs> is, you know, while, while everybody's there trying to, you know, force feed you jello or, or, uh, you know, food from a tube or something. Exactly. I need to call my pusher and get my, you know, box of little Debbie's and my gallon of Diet Coke and, you right. know, all the, the things that I'm, that I'm used to. And so I, I set that up. And once I started doing that, and, and again, at that point, nothing, nothing really, nothing crossed my mind that I was going to do anything different. I thought I just need to get out of the hospital and go back to the way things were. Right. Well, that's and a, then I, and then, that's like an addiction. Go ahead. Is that's like an addiction? It is. You know, and that's that's one it thing is. that that I think oftentimes, you know, we we you know hear about the terrible uh, opiate addiction and alcoholism and different things like that. Um, but I I really do believe. I mean, overeating at that extent and that level, and and I've been guilty of it. Um, myself you know that it's kind of an addiction it's not kind of it is an addiction you know it it releases endorphins in your brain it makes you feel good uh for that time and uh you know it's an addiction like anything else it it very much is and i've always been very honest about that it is a drug i'm addicted and i love to get high and the great you know it's a cheap drug right oh yeah it's it's the cheapest out there you can take ten dollars and go to the dollar store and be strung out for three days. You know, it's, yeah. it's very easy. It's very easy to to use that drug. And there's that saying. So I'm back in the hospital, and there's that saying that when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. And I was in the hospital. It was about the third day, and I was doing that up all night, sleep all day kind of lifestyle. So I would stay up all night watching TV and doing whatever, playing with my phone. And and then during the day, I would just pull the blinds, put in the earplugs, because it's a hospital, right? Right. And I, w- and I would go to sleep. And so one of those, just in the, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which, you know, when I'm on that, when I'm on that overnight schedule, that's like 3 in the morning to most people, this, uh, this cardiac nurse busts in the door and comes in and just starts shouting my name. Mr. Ganey, Mr. Ganey, hello, wake up, what are you doing? And I finally woke up, and I took out the earplugs, and, and this woman started screaming at me like a drill sergeant. Uh, she's just like, why are you sleeping? It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Why are the blinds drawn? Why couldn't you hear me when I came in here? What's your problem? And uh, I'm like, okay, you know, so I can't believe this person is talking to me like this, but <laughs> I'll roll with it. And... Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I just, uh, I was up all night and so now I'm sleeping all day. And she was like, the daytime is not for sleeping. And so she gets my chart off the end of the bed and she's like, how old are you? And at the time I was 37 years old and she was like, that's too young to be in the hospital. She goes, you know who should be in the hospital? I'm like, who? She goes, old, sick people. She's like, you are too young to be in here. She's like, what's the problem? Why are you in here? And she looked at the sheet some more and she goes, blood clots in your lungs she goes you know what causes that i'm like well, i'm like well i'm sure you're gonna tell me and she goes your weight is a huge problem she was like even if you get out of here and i love how she used the word if she was like even if you get out of here she's like if you don't make some changes you're gonna keep coming back over and over again and one day you're not gonna leave and then she just kept giving me the third degree she goes what do you eat and i'm like well you know i'm like i'm trying to do better she's like like what and uh, she said, and I said, well, you know, I, I eat a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, frozen dinners and, you know, lean cuisine and things like that. And she's like, you know how much sodium those things have in them? She's like, that's not real food. She's like, food doesn't come in a box with a picture on it. She's like, you need to eat real food. 
but she saved her her venom for for the next question was she was like what do you drink and i thought by saying i thought oh this will at least get her off my case right i said well i drink a lot of di- i i said well i drink a lot of diet soda and she's like what because that doesn't do anything for you she's like that has no benefit at all whatsoever she's like you know what you need to be drinking and i'm like uh i don't know she's like water all the time and she's just like you're gonna have to do something about this or you're gonna keep coming back she's like do you really want to keep coming back here over and over again for the rest of your life until it ends and then she storms out of the room wow i'm like okay (laughs) and so at the time i was mad i'm like okay i can't like what who does she think she is right to come in here and talk to me like that and I'm, I'm the thinking, patient. I'm like, the patient. I'm the customer. Right. How I, dare you talk I'm to me that way? That's right. I'm the customer, and the insurance company is paying. And why are you being Why are you being mean to me? And right. And so, and so, I'm like, okay, I kind of, I kind of dismissed it. But then I was up. It, it was like a day and a half later, and I was up all night. And I'm, I'm laying in the hospital bed, and I'm looking out the window. And I was in the in a room in the hospital that overlooked the helicopter pads. So I'm watching the helicopter leave, you know, come and go at night like it does at you know big city hospitals. Right. And and I really started to think about what she said. And I'm thinking, she asked me, "Do you really want to spend the rest of your life until it ends coming here over and over again?" And I thought, and it sucked so bad being in the hospital. It's just, I wasn't able to take a shower, so I'm just laying there day after day, no shower, hooked up all these machines. Oh, I can't sleep. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're coming in and drawing blood like every three hours. And they kept, because they're worried about fluid retention, they wanted to come in and weigh me constantly. And it, it was just, it really was hell on earth. And it just, that, that was the moment, that was the lightning bolt where I just said, you know what? I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how I have to do it, but I'm not coming back here. Yeah. And there will be no, and, and that was really the moment where I just said, there will be no more of this. Right. I had no idea. I had no idea what would happen. I had no idea how long it would take me. I had no idea if I would lose a hundred pounds or 400 pounds or, or any pounds. Right. But I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I have, I'm like, I've got to stop. And what also helped me is while I was at the hospital, you know, like they do, they're feeding you regular meals. And the food is hospital food, but it would come like every couple of hours with more food. And I started to look at it and I'm like, you know what? This is not how I eat. Because I was, you know, when, when you're that big and, you know, binge eating and everything, yeah. I, would, I would get up, you know, I would get up, I would not eat breakfast. And I would I would not eat food throughout the day, and then I'd get really 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 hungry, and then I would go have lunch at some restaurant and overeat, and then basically after I got off work at night, I would just eat until I fell asleep. Yeah. But 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 when I was in the hospital, they had me eating on a schedule, and they're bringing me a variety of different foods every couple of hours. Right. And Smaller me meals throughout the day, right? Basically. Right. Small. Exactly. Smaller meals throughout the day, but but a variety of things. Right. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, you know what? I can eat like this. Like, I can do this. Like, I don't like this food that they're giving me, but if I could do this, you know, I could. And they had a, a nutritionist come to see me, and they're like, listen, you know, this is – it was so basic. They're like, this is a picture of a plate, and this is how you fill it up, and, and this is how you measure your portions, and this is what you should be eating. And I, I didn't even – and then when I finally got released from the hospital – and got to take a shower, which just literally was the best shower I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like coming back from I, I war like or was, something, you know, like yeah, exactly. you haven't like seen I've a bar of soap through, in ages. I felt like I'd been walking through the desert for a month and came upon a shower. Right, right. And, but when I walked out of the hospital, I put on those giant pants, the same pair of pants that are, that are, you know, I'm holding up on the website. And I'm like, you know what? What's really going on here is I'm just a guy with a weight problem. I'm just a guy who is on the wrong end of a math problem, who, who eats 
too many calories and does absolutely nothing for physical activity. Right. And, and, it, and it just, I don't know what it was, but at that moment, it's like this, like I can, this is a solvable problem. It's, and I knew, I'm like, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be very, very hard. Right. But I thought, but I thought if I can just get started, if I can just do something, then I will, I, I will start to get a handle on it. And uh, I just never looked back. It, it was it was really hard in the early going. I remember when I stayed with my parents after I got out of the hospital because I needed somebody to help me. And I remember like, okay, what's the food in the house here? And there was nothing healthy at all. But I'm like, okay, we're just going to do the best we can. And I followed that pattern that I learned in the hospital of, okay, it's dinner time. What's dinner look like? And I'm going to have a meal. And uh, and then I just went from there. I had to do a lot of stuff, though. I mean, it was a lot of modifications. Uh, I used to like to watch TV for hours a day, and I had to get rid of my TV because I, I couldn't control myself with watching food commercials and stuff like that. So you just, I mean, you just got rid of the TV. You you took it out and put it on the on the side of the curb or in the garage and said, enough. I, that, that was it. I uh, I used to have uh, satellite TV with the uh, the baseball package. So I could literally watch, I could watch 15 games a night, like in split screen, you know? Right. And uh, it's what I used to like to do, but I couldn't, I realized that the topic was prompting me to eat, or I had that association where I would see a food commercial, and I'm like, I want the food on the TV. That's that's what I want. And uh, so I started out, and it was hard in the beginning, but... I thought, well, you know, what kind of exercise can I do? And at the time, I was on oxygen. And uh, so I just started walking very, very short distances. And the great thing about walking, as you and I, you and I used to walk together, you know this. Yeah, yeah. You can you, you can increase the distance slowly or not. And, and you can really, you can do anything you want with it. And uh, I thought in the beginning, my really my dream was, I thought if I, I, I really would have been satisfied if I could have just gotten to 400. That right. that was my that was really my goal. I thought, man, because after I had seen after I had seen that that 577 number, I thought, man, 400 would be amazing because that's, then I'd be yeah, I that's a little more. You know, ma- it seems more manageable, I guess you know. Or, yeah, and I wouldn't have to have my clothes custom made. I'd be able to go to the big and tall store. I thought, man, right. 400 would be amazing. I probably I would be able to fit in a car. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but it just once, as you know, once you get started, it, it really, it, it takes over you. But I had learned, and it was so valuable from that experience back in my 20s. When, when the weight was coming off, I'm like, okay, this is all artificial euphoria this is all kind of a lie because the real hard work is going to come when I have to keep it off. Yeah. And once I knew, once I get thin, that's going to get hard. And it did. And it is. But it prepared me for it. So I'm very thankful for that failure back in mm-hmm. the 90s. Right. Because it was, it was absolutely instrumental to, to my success today. And, uh, I never knew where the weight loss would end, you know, 400 came and went and I started aiming for 300 and then I got down under three and was in the twos and I thought, man, this is unbelievable. Like I couldn't believe I was just on top of the world and I just wasn't sure where it was going to end. And sure enough, it ended about where it ended that first time back in the nineties, you know, around 200. Okay. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's where, you know, I live in that range of, you know, 190 to 210, somewhere in there, just depending. And, uh, Look, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but, but it's, you know, anyone can do it. You really can. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this question because, um, I mean, you and I have had this conversation before, um, you know, we're, we're doing this interview for the benefit of, of our listeners, um, my question to you is, and and I I know I know the experience that you had there in the hospital. Something that you didn't mention um, was the the option that they gave you of 
surgery like gastric bypass. And the reason I bring that up is because, as you know, Brian, and maybe some people who who, who are listening who know me, uh, around 2005 or so, I had gastric bypass surgery because I, too, was um, very heavy prior to my surgery. Um, I was probably around 400 pounds, 425, I think, was probably the top of my uh the top of my peak um and i when i lost when i had the surgery um you and i talked about it because um that was kind of an option that they gave you as well and you you opted not to do that um and i i think i think you were right to do that by the way and i'll kind of delve into it a little bit more here in a minute but um Tell me about that process. Tell me what that situation was like there in the hospital with the doctors and, and why you chose to do it the hard way uh, opposed to maybe the easy way, as some might suggest or think. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a big decision, and, and you're right. I, I knew that you had it, and I, I've known quite a few people that have had it. And I think in the beginning when they started pitching it to me, I thought, well, I, you know, I was a little bit on the fence. I thought, well, may, maybe, maybe I will do it because my company, my insurance company, would have paid for all of it. I mean, literally, would have been really almost free for me to have it done. But the reason I didn't was a lot of reasons, really. One, I've known people that have had it and who have not had a successful outcome. Right. So it, it, I knew I, I knew that I knew that when you have that surgery, or when someone has that surgery, essentially you're being physically forced to lose weight. Yeah, you're being you're being made you're you're being made to do it. Your plum your plumbing is being yeah. changed, and there's I mean you can't you you really you you automatically lose weight. I mean there's nothing you can do to yeah. to really wreck it in the beginning. Um, absolutely. The wreckage absolutely. comes you, later, you, but, <laughs> you know, as I can yeah, attest, I, I, but early on, it's just going to fall off. It just happens. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And there were, there were a couple other things that went into my decision. One, I had this problem with blood clots. And I didn't know this until I researched it a little bit. I had a lot of time to kill in the hospital. But blood clots kill a lot of people. And it usually kills people when they're in the hospital because you're immobile, you're laying there. Right. So someone someone who's at risk for, who has a clotting disorder, who's at risk for a blood clot, which can either, you know, get in the lungs and have what happened to me happen to me, or it can get into your heart, or it can go to your brain and cause a stroke. I thought, well, that's not a, that's not a very good risk factor for me if I want to have weight loss surgery to die from a an aneurysm on the table. And then the other thing, as I laid in bed in the hospital, and, and this is really kind of what I talk about in my book about why I didn't do it, I realized that if I had weight loss surgery, I'd have to come back to the hospital. And I wanted yeah, out of there yeah. more than I have ever, more yeah. than I have ever wanted out of anywhere. And then the other thing is, I, I, I know people that have, not you, but I know people that have had the weight loss surgery, they would immediately try to defeat it. Like, oh, man, I can't eat anything. And and I've known people that have gone to Taco Bell and put it in a blender because they're trying to defeat, oh, wow. the, you know, you know it's, it's a drug and everybody wants to get high and you're trying to yeah. defeat the surgery. See, and I just like, you know what, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a cheater, you know. I would try to cheat the system too. Right. And I just had to be honest with myself and say, you know what, if, you, if I go have that surgery – if I'm made to do it by some outside force, I, I'm not going to put in the work as much right. as if I just go out there and yeah. do it myself. So that that was that was really one into it. You know, I know people that have had the surgery who've had a successful outcome, and God bless them for it. You know, I don't take anything away from anybody. It's a personal decision. Um, but man, I have known a lot of people with with complications yeah. that have had it done, and uh, it kills people too. You know, some people die. Uh, in the, you know, for the major surgery, so some people yeah. don't make it. Uh, I know people that have been reoperated on because it it uh, didn't go right the first time. So the thing, the I, uh, th- go go ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead, and finish. 
I was just going to say, I just felt like I had to do it my way for me. No, I, I totally, I totally get that. My, um, you know, my, my story, and I, I don't want to go too far into it because this interview is about you, but, but the thing that I, okay. that the thing that I sort of, um, took away from my experience with, uh, gastric bypass surgery, uh, all those years ago, 2005, um, was how I wasn't really prepared psychologically because because here's my thing and we talked about it at the top where it's it's an addiction so if you if you have an addiction to food that means that you have sort of an addictive personality and if suddenly you have an addiction or you have a, an addiction and suddenly that that element is taken away well that that need doesn't go away you're, you know, it's like, you know, if you, you cut my uh, my stomach pouch in half and give me uh, of the remaining part of my stomach, which is, you know, about the size of a handful of food, which is what it was, um, I can't stuff myself with food. So I'm going to have to find some other way to feed whatever compulsion that I have, you know, it's because, uh, and I, I mean, look, I'm no specialist, I'm no addiction specialist or anything like that. But, but here's what I would say is that people who have addictions, whatever their addiction is, just happens to be the one that they, they are most comfortable with. There are people who are addicted to alcohol, drugs, gambling, shopping, sex, porn, you know, a million, there's, there's all these things and whatever their vice is, that's the one that they are most comfortable with. That's what my deal was. My deal was with the food because um, it was accessible. My my mom uh, kept our house stocked like it was the freaking, you know, like the uh, end of the world was coming. <laughs> and, and we needed to have, you know, two pantries full of whatever. Um, so that's kind of what, what I grew up with. So it was always there. And I didn't have, uh, my parents weren't drinkers. So, so that was my vice. But when I, when I had the surgery and I started losing all the weight and I did, I mean, I, I went from 425 down to 300 and, and probably, oh man, it was probably just, you know, 12 or 13 months. Um, I remember. Yeah. And, and 300 is still, you know, heavy. There's no mistake, <laughs> but, but 425 is, you know. I'm glad to have lost that that 125 pounds, but here's the problem, and I, I'll admit this openly: I substituted that with alcohol. You know, my my addiction to food went away to the to to the extent that it was before, and I I substituted it with alcohol. Now, and what I mean by that is, is that I I just started drinking beer, and um because of my weight you know when you're drinking you're drinking generally because you want to feel a buzz or you want to feel high you have to drink more and more you know and um and that's and and i exchanged basically one addiction for another um now i've i've got it more under control now than it ever has been i've gone to aa i've gone to different things like that i'll admit that openly um but it, it's still a struggle at times, and it's more so from the the caloric standpoint. You know, it's just like because if you're, it's it's empty calories. It's kind of like what you were talking about with uh, with pop. You know, soda pop. It's not doing anything for you. It's just empty calories. You know, and um, I'm curious. I'm curious, Brian, about the the psychological aspect of this for you, um, because you know. I know growing up, you know, you, you've told me uh, here and, and, and other times, you know, you, you, you pretty much had the, you could, food was available, you know, and, and, and it was right. plentiful. Um, that's why, you know, when you were a senior in high school, you were 400 pounds. It was there, it was available. Um, have you done any work on the psychological aspect of that, you know, addiction or feeding that? I mean, what did you substitute? I mean, and, and, you know, here's the thought. I mean, I, you you became and have become and are, you know, kind of an ardent workout guy. You're always riding your bike. You're always walking and doing all those things. Do you feel in some ways you kind of, you maybe you, you uh, 
substituted one for the other? Could that be it, or is it something deeper than that? Or I'm just curious because I'm I want to I want to substitute all my vices with something healthy, <laughs> you know. And I'm just yeah. I struggle with that. Yeah, that is exactly what happened to me. So I am a very I have a very addictive personality and I get addicted to everything very easily. Right. And it's, it's, I've known that about myself. I don't know how I knew that about myself. I guess just from the eating, I'm like, I, I get, I latch onto things and I can't stop. And it's, it's why I quit drinking because I have, I have no self-control at all whatsoever about anything. It's a compulsiveness. It's compulsive, compulse or impulse control kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. I can, I've always tell people I can turn anything into an addiction and I will, and I will take anything and do it to excess. And so I knew that. So I did a few things going into kind of the weight loss journey because when you're 600, almost 600 pounds, you spend a lot of time eating. So it's like, okay, what replaces that time? What, what do I do instead of eating? And so I, some of that is I eat, I still eat a lot, but I just eat healthy foods. So that allows me to still eat a lot. So that, that helps with some of it. So I'm still able to quote unquote overeat, but because it's kind of, you know, healthier foods, it, it doesn't, the calories aren't as high. It doesn't cause me, uh, you know, to gain weight. The exercise and in particular walking became my addiction and still is to this day. Uh, I don't know what it is about walking, but it's what I have substituted the most, I think, is I just walk, and I will walk for 10 miles. And just that amount of walking, that amount of exercise helps me keep the weight in check. It allows me to, to think, to not be focused on eating, just to try to keep my mind busy with something else. because. I figured out early on that if I am, if I'm thinking about something else, if I'm focused on something else, if I'm actively obsessing about something else, if I'm doing something else, then I don't think about food at all whatsoever. Like I would go six hours and not eat anything if I'm really, really focused in on whatever it is. Right. It's when you get bored. It's when you get bored. Yeah, that's what my deal is. It's like I'll be sitting home in the evenings with my wife watching TV on a Friday or Saturday night, and I'll be like, okay, um, all right, I'm going to go get some beer. <laughs> you know, it's just like you're bored, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And, and I that's still, I mean, the other thing that I knew – and this is why that failure back in, in, in like 1999 was so good for me it was because I knew that it was going to get hard and people would come up to me when, back when I was losing the weight, uh, you know, seven, six years ago and say, man, this is amazing what you're doing, you know, keep going. And I would tell them, I would say, this is easy. It's going to get really hard once I get the weight off. So I knew that that was coming and it did. And I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it was going to suck. But I'm like, okay, what what can I do? What, what can I do instead of eat? What can I do to? And sometimes it's white knuckle. It's I got to find something to do for two hours until I can eat again. I mean, it really gets that way sometimes. Right. And uh, but you're right. I mean, I I can turn anything into an addiction, and I, I have seen friends do that. Unfortunately, uh, when when they would have the weight loss surgery, and I get it. I mean, you you lose your drug, so it's like okay. What can I make into a new drug? What can I do instead? Yeah. And, and the thing, the thing that happened for, with me was it was so easy because here, here's what, here's kind of what my deal was. So I, I was not, um, I was always outgoing and social, um, but sure. I was, I was very sort of like um, insecure when it came to talking to women. Okay, like I had all kinds of female friends. But um, after my my first marriage ended in divorce, um, it was it wasn't the easiest thing for me to to meet people or to to talk to women or whatever the case was. So 
when I had the surgery and I started losing the weight and it just kept, it was falling off. Um, you know, immediately I was able to, uh, wear nicer clothing. You know, I looked healthier. I looked better. I felt better. Um, and I therefore became more social. So I started going out more and, you know, meeting people and going to parties and going to, to bars or whatever with other friends of mine. And I became so, so, so sort of that social drinker type person. Um, and it started out, you know, they, they told us before the surgery, you know, or they told everybody who was going through this class, you know, you don't want to drink alcohol. You don't want to drink alcohol. And a lot of people were like, well, your body can't take it. Like you're, you would get sick or something like that. You know, like it couldn't, it couldn't handle, um, like I can't, I can't, I have a hard time now with sugar. Like after I had, mm-hmm. before my surgery, I could, you know, I could eat candy and cookies and, you know, any pieces of cake, you know, that whole thing. Um, after my surgery, Even to this day, all these years later, some 17 years later, um, I can't have too much sugar or I just get loopy. You know, Um, I still will have moments where if I overeat um, a little bit, just by a little bit, I will feel uh, vomitous. It's called dumping. It's what they call it when you do that. And and for people who have the surgery, Um, I will I will occasionally have that experience. So. So even to this day, I can't deal with that. But I tried uh, when I started going out, they said, don't do drink or no, don't drink alcohol. You get sick. I thought, well, let me try. Let me try like O'Doul's, you know, this non-alcoholic beer. I said, because I'm here at the bar. I don't want to be standing here empty handed, you know, drinking ice water all night or whatever. So I tried it and that was fine. And then I thought, hmm, well, you know, like Miller Lite's not it's not like super heavy or anything like that, you know? So right, let's, right. let's try, yeah, let's try that. Game. Let's try that, you know? Okay, and, great, less filling. Right, right. Well, and it was fine. And I, my body didn't react in a negative way. So I thought, okay, well, cool. I can sort of, you know, I, I can, I'm losing the weight. I can, I can have some, you know, beer here and there, whatever. And it's, that's kind of what got it started for me. And, and um it it really is you it's just the whole idea of what you said you just have to replace these these uh habits you know and these compulsions um because you're because you're always going to have it you can't you know without maybe some deep therapy (laughs) um you know to, to to try to you know um remove a compulsion that you might have or you know that addictive personality from your personality is virtually impossible so you you have to come up with a healthier way to deal with that compulsion and that's that seems to be kind of the key yeah i would i would agree i think that we in that regard i think we create our own success because um for instance you talked about boredom so boredom is a challenge for everybody because food is entertainment right it's it's awesome Who, who doesn't love to eat makes us feel good tastes good all that and so we really have to look at it and say okay what can i do when i get bored that doesn't involve mindless eating is it that i need to go to a different location when i'm bored is it that i i need to have activities to do when i'm bored do i need to do something in my evenings when i'm at home that's different um, not not that you're not going to eat because we all have to eat, but just that you know once you've eaten the proper amount of food, what what can you do? How can you arm yourself for success? It's like a lot of times people say to me, I, I just I, I I was hungry, I just had to grab something, and I call it the just grab something diet. So there's no the problem there is not that somebody just grabbed something; they were out and they went through the drive-through like I did for decades. The problem is they didn't have anything else to eat. There was no plan. There was no, there was nothing. It, right. They didn't set themselves up for success. They didn't, like you knew you were going to be out. You knew that you were going to have the day that you had. Where's the food? Where's the planning? Where? Why didn't you have something with you? Or why didn't you eat before you left the house? Or, or things like that. And it, it's not easy, but it never entirely goes away. There's no, 
there's no cure of the disease of obesity. There's only just management of it. And I, I think that once I realized that, it's like, okay, I'm just going to get up every day and fight through it. And, and that's what success looks like. Right. There's no, and, and, and that's, I get so upset at some of the advertising for the weight loss surgery. You know, I think it's a legitimate procedure for someone in an extreme medical emergency, and that really they're going to die if they don't lose the weight immediately. But, but it's advertised as this is going to fix your life. Right, and then that's really just—it's really just a small part of it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the book. So as I was going through the weight loss journey, I kept a blog, and I didn't tell anybody about it. So it was kind of just like an online journal. And after I, I was doing it for a while, I started sharing it on my Facebook page, and people started reading it, and they're like, "You know, this is pretty good. You should write a book." And and you know, and you and I working in radio all those years, we had done a lot of writing. Right, And I'm like, okay, well, I'll write a book. So I compiled kind of my best uh, blog post and wrote some chapters uh, along with it and updated everything to, to make it into a readable format. And I self-published a book, which is available on my website, uh, BrianGaney.com. Uh, it's B-R-Y-A-N-G-A-N-E-Y. There's no I in Brian Ganey. And... That's, that's what it is. That's where it is. And I, I really struggled what to call it. I'm like, I need a title. And I, what I landed on was when I got out of the hospital, I went to see a doctor who wasn't my regular doctor because they weren't available. And I asked it. He, again, recommended the weight loss surgery. And I asked him, I said, well, what if I tried to just lose it on my own? And he said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said, that would be impossible. It would take you three years to lose all that weight would be impossible. I'm like, oh, okay. And so that's what I called the book. It's called Impossible, uh, How I Lost Almost 400 Pounds Without Surgery. And uh, it's available on my website, and you can order it there. And uh, it's actually, I'll sign it and personalize it, uh, each one, and ship it out to you. Free shipping. Cool. And tell me about your motivational speaking. I know this is something that you started doing in the last year or so. I follow you, of course, on Facebook, and we chat every once in a while. And I see all these uh, groups that you're chatting with yeah so um people come to me and i I can totally see where they're coming from because everyone wants not everyone but lots of people have a weight problem and or you know might not even have a lot of weight to lose or they might have some other struggle that they've that they're dealing with in their life and what can they learn from a guy who lost all this weight on his own and i got into public speaking in my regular job, I'm a corporate trainer for a big company, and I enjoy speaking to audiences. And I got asked in the beginning to kind of just share my story with groups, uh, different small groups and things like that. And then I started getting hired to speak, and I started just studying motivational speaking and how it works. And I wanted to learn about it and, and get good at it. And so I do that as well. And I get hired to speak for groups, corporations, organizations, events, things like that. Wow. And uh, I, I love doing it. So you can, if anybody out there needs to contact me, you can do that through my website as well. And it looks like here, looking at your website, you've just started a uh, brand new YouTube channel. With uh, Absolutely. different videos. And uh, one I saw recently, uh, you were in your car and you seemed a bit irate. <laughs> You were very adamant. Yes, I was. I was. It's it's interesting experience driving around in your car ranting at at a camera. But, yeah, so one of the ways that I can reach audiences and that people can kind of hear my message is through the Internet and through mobile and through social media. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start a YouTube channel where I can just where I can just record videos of just me saying what I think and just ranting about various things and you know kind of like what you do with your podcast but I'm just doing it in you know smaller shorter video form No, I got you. Yeah. And so I so I called it BGTV and uh, you know there's a lot of and, and I understand it better than better than anybody I think because I I've seen me do it when it comes to procrastination and not following through on anything and and kind of the struggles that people go through because I get people that come to me that want success they want to achieve things 
but aren't necessarily willing to do anything to make it happen. So right. it's kind of one of the ways that I get my message out and also kind of work on my motivational speaking and things like that. So, yeah, it's a, a YouTube channel that I started. It's linked on my website as well. And uh, I'm trying to to get them up every uh, every couple of weeks or so. Well, this is cool. I mean, I'm looking at your website, and, and you've uh, been on the Dave, Dave Ramsey Show. You've been on CNN, uh, Sirius XM, iHeart, HLN, uh, Rachel Ray. I mean, it's... Brian, I, I mean, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever really said this to you, but I'm sure you probably knew. I mean, I'm very, very proud of you and very happy for your success and, and not just with the weight loss. I mean, that's, that's huge. And that's, that's the most important thing in, in all of this, but, um, just what you've been able to sort of parlay that into, you know, I mean, you, you, uh, I've, I've known you for a very long time and, and I've, I've always thought the world of you, and I think this is just amazing, the stuff that you're doing and the way you're helping people. There's a quote up here on his website. It says, I just finished reading your book. All I can say is, wow, wait, let me say that again. Wow, so amazing. I'm so proud of you. You're such a leader. You will help people change their lives, and that was from Richard Simmons, of all folks. That's amazing, just amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. It's uh, you are a dear friend, my friend, and we are all fighting the same battle. And anything that I can do to to kind of give back and, and help people is, is why I believe I was put on this earth. So that's why I do what I do. Well, I uh, I would agree, Brian, and I, I think it's great that you, you discovered that and you, uh, you've, uh, you took it by the horns, man. That's great. So... Uh, well, Brian, I want to thank you for being on the show and uh, thank you for sharing your story. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you and I need a couple of more uh, conversations, maybe some private counseling. I could use it, believe me. <laughs> I could use yeah, it. probably so. <laughs> I could me, use it. Me too. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, this wraps up a, another episode of the Toddcast right here on My Green Radio. So, again, thanks, Brian. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next time.